we should have said from the west side of Minneapolis, because uh, that's how that's how DJs and uh, all the hip DJs in Minnesota talk. DJs in Minnesota. All, all like the hip thing. DJs in Minnesota. <laughs> doesn't seem like a to thing. which I'm re- I'm tempted to respond. Both of them. <laughs> Hello and welcome to that episode was. We are popsicle. In this episode, we'll be offering opinions and reactions to The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, Season 1, Episode 4, The Great Wave. The series was developed by J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. This episode was written by Stephanie Folsom, J.D. Payne, and Patrick McKay. It was directed by Wayne Che Yip. Spoilers abound, yada, yada. If you haven't watched the episode, don't listen to the show if you don't want spoilers. So let's get to it. Um, I am Lisa K. Weber, your host today, your very prepared host today. (laughs) Uh, With me tonight are three of my Popsicle co-hosts. First up, Philip Kelly, producer extraordinaire. Hello. Hello, what's up, what's up? From the West Shore. Oh my God. Side. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> wow, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Next up, it's sweet Jesus himself, Justin Penniston. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I really wanted to answer this in the most stereotypically white voice I could muster, please, but please. that just didn't feel right. Oh, do I give you permission? No, it doesn't. Go for it. No, it's it's not it's not a, about a lack of permission. I think I always have that. It's more like not wanting to stoop to your level. <laughs> All right. And uh clean as a whistle, didn't get involved in any of that is Claire Thorne. Yeah, my brain's not moving fast enough for the two gentlemen on to my right oh, my, and my left. My brain isn't, my brain isn't moving. Brain this is not moving. <laughs> There's no moving? Yeah. No, this is not moving. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. That's yeah. a little bit comforting to me. Yeah. I am here though, and I did hear all of that. I just am not going to dignify any of it <laughs> with, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's get started talking about this episode. Um, oh, right. I, I'm not introducing our other missing co-host, Kelly Sue Milano, my dearest love, because she is ill and she was supposed to host tonight's episode. So that's the story. <laughs> Just so everybody knows. Um, so um, let's talk about this episode. Um, as we kind of talked about a bit in the last episode I am not feeling the Numenor stuff 
So I'm going to put a pin in Numenor and start with the good stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm not sure Numenor can handle having a pin put into it. It seems like things are. Oh, uh, it definitely I mean, can. You need a lot of pins to hold up a lot of leaves or something. No, we're not talking about it yet. I'm going <laughs> to save that for later. So let's talk about the good stuff. Dwarves. Mm. And, um, well, we didn't get a ton of Deer, but what we did get, I very much enjoyed. Um, and I guess if you want to talk about Theo and the orcs or whatever, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I was, I mean, like personally, I was like, yay, the dwarves are back because they are of the actual story arcs, like of the actual, like, even though Erendir is my favorite character, um, I found, I find the dwarves to just be generally likable. And I find this storyline of all the storylines, the most interesting <laughs> i'll say i'll just go with it it's i'm the it's the one i'm most able to just go with um so i mean what do y'all think and feel free to nerd out because i don't know well i i find it's, i mean it's not like you wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thank you for giving all of us permission uh to be nerds uh <laughs> Uh, I find the dwarves to be the most um, emotionally open. And I think mm -hmm. that makes their stuff a little outside of the Harfoot, maybe. Um, uh, they, we, we see what they're going through on their faces and we see them react like not holding back and we see them not hiding or being reserved about things or being, you know what I mean? They're, they don't, obviously they're they're lying and they're playing their own sort of games but it's a different kind of game uh and well and they're not good at it like they're no not they're good not good at, at it at all no you know no they're horrible at because it. it's like not who they are right which i appreciate yeah so, so I, I think yeah. it's i think it's easier on that level to like i this episode was kind of a slow burn for me like it took a while you know i was watching and i was watching it the second time through and i was feeling that again and but i found the last 20 minutes to be really emotional and part of that was the dwarf storyline uh uh you know the stuff with the father and that um that that whole element of it you know uh, uh what what do we do with the past how do we move forward knowing what the past was and 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 uh there there that that sort of theme is sprinkled throughout all the stories in this episode but i think with the dwarves especially because they wear their emotions on their sleeves and they have such a hard time hiding that. Uh, I was very affected by the scene between father and son in this episode. Um, They're both and, named Doran, just so you know. Oh, thank you, thank you, Doran. Yeah, thank to you. make I things easier. Yeah, that's, and somehow it's it's supposed to make it easier, and I still fumbled the ball. Uh, <laughs> Doran uh, three and Doran four. <laughs> thank, thank you. Um, so yeah, yeah, the words exchanged between the two of them, uh, like most of all in anger. You know, you have. I have nothing to forgive. It's just like, like there's, you know, you see that genuine love there and it's wonderful and they're not reserved about mm -hmm. it. And you see that genuine anger. They don't have to be reserved about it. You know, they're just like, they let it fly. It's like a constant food fight, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is lovely. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. I also appreciated the final scene between Durin and Durin. 
Um, though I will say when like Elrond was like giving Durin advice on like, oh, you know, you should appreciate your father. I was like, don't come up here. <laughs> like, you don't know me, man. Like, like, I don't know. I just, that, that kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. Like, <laughs> like, like I think this, this, this constant idea that like, oh, the elves know better than everybody else. And like, so wise, even though they spend a lot of time being extremely unwise for how old they are. Um, so I, I don't know. I just didn't, I was like, it was more of the kind of like elf, like, no, I'm so much like better than you. Not that Elrond was coming off that way, but that's how I felt watching it. And I was like, whatever, Elrond. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, the idea <laughs> is that Elrond is thinking literally about his father, who is like the, what, I, what would you call him? Like the He's the Virgin Mary, basically. He's been he was lifted bodily <laughs> into heaven, his father. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so his father what? is his father. Yeah, his father was he turned into a star, star by the gods. Yeah. Yeah, he is a star. He is the source of the 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 Yeah, light. the file of Galadriel that the starlight is that from she gives Frodo. El, yeah, from Elrond's father. Um Aaron the, the Mariner. Which is a little weird when you think about it. It's like, totally okay, weird, how did, but how did, but There's I think little... the point of, you know, appreciate the fact that you have a father to get pissed at mm -hmm. is not, that's not snooty advice. <laughs> Do you know well, what I, I, mean? I don't know. I, get, I took I it as a little bit snooty. It, it came off as snooty to me. Anything coming out of the mouths of the elves sounds, sounds snooty, snooty, whether it, it does. is or not, right? It like, does. Yeah. They're I just get snooty. That. They're a snooty bunch. My favorite father-son relationship storylines always involve two old dudes that look like equally like grandpas. Like you could barely <laughs> tell the difference between, like it really feels like um, just because we've had all of the, you know, Queen Elizabeth stuff happening, it felt like Prince Philip giving advice to like 72 year old Prince Charles. So it's, it, I find it like extra adorable for that as well. <laughs> Here's this old, like, and I'm sure this dwarf, you know, during the fourth is probably not that old, but they just feel that way to me. So it really does just feel like this guy running around going, why can't I be king of Casa Doom yet? <laughs> I've got all these great ideas. Just, I, I just need some, you know, leeway to, to roll with it. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that he didn't name his son Durin. Now that we're talking about it, you know, if he's Durin the fourth and his two kids are, uh, what he sounds like he has one boy, one girl, something yeah, like that. I think and so. He sort of veered away from the Durin naming, unless I don't know that happens when you become, I, I don't know. I could get my it's my interesting book with the appendices <laughs> and and yeah. get the the uh, family trees. Yeah, that's all there. That that's, yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, I also really connected to the the Doran storyline, the Doran and Elrond storyline, but I connected to it because more on the the Doran Elrond side than on the Doran and his dad side because you know i felt like okay these guys 
you know, there's a sort of a Romeo and Juliet thing going on here. Like they, you know, their the their closeness is not really normal or ideal, you know, for for their peoples. Um, and I, they're both being drawn to betray someone that they clearly love on a, on a certain level, you know. Um, you know, uh, Doran's father is, you know, basically like, use your friendship to figure out what the fuck's going on. And Kellen Brimbor is like, use your friendship to figure out what the fuck's going on. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then Elrond just took an oath that it feels like he may have to end up breaking. You know what I mean? Like, or the whole thing is, I want the, the like, I feel like, like Claire almost. I'm like, I just want them to be friends and happy. Is that so much to ask? You know? I want them to be happy friends. You know? And, you know, and like, because their friendship does feel authentic. And yeah. it feels like yes. they genuinely love each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that their duties, you know, are going to lead them in a direction that they don't want to go, but they're going to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, also, Disa remains one of the coolest side characters in the whole show. <laughs> yes. Um, what a yeah, great... Yeah, she's just, she's just delightful. She really is. She's like, somebody wrote her and they were like, she is you know, going to be, she's going to idealize the word wife. She is going to keep her man in check, but she's also going to have his back. And she's also going to be running shit and doing her own thing. You know what I mean? Like when she was singing that song to protect the missing dwarf miners, I loved mm-hmm. that shit. I thought that was really cool. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that reaches, that reaches to be like one of those moments in Lord of the Rings, like um, Eowyn singing at the funeral for mm-hmm. her cousin, and I, I, that's just an extended edition thing, isn't it? Is was it? That, I don't think that was in the theatrical release. I have I only only watched the extended editions for so many years now. I couldn't Likewise. tell you what wasn't in the original movies. Yeah. Likewise. But yeah, those are always lovely moments. See, they're singing. There needs to be some singing in Tolkien. It well, there oh, you got it. On, just, you got it on this week's episode. Yeah. Just so. Um. So, all right, let's talk about what the hell is going on with the orcs, this dark elf Adar, and Theo and the sword, and like let's let's move on to that. I don't like. I did stop watching when Theo went into the little saloon or whatever by himself, I took a break because I was like, I feel like something really gnarly is about to happen and I need to go to bed right now. (laughs) 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 But when I went back and watched the rest of it the next day, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Like Theo and neither Theo nor his friend got Mm -hmm. horribly maimed by orcs. <laughs> I, was, um, I was totally. And then the orcs are essentially like stormtroopers. Like they can't hit anything. They can't find anything. <laughs> they're like, what? Like they're just useless. How are they able to take? Is it just numbers? I guess it's just a numbers game because that's how it is with stormtroopers too. Um, yeah. 
all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that there are some orcs that are smarter than other orcs. And that is a, a, an aspect of orc society that I would like to know a little bit better, but not too much better because it could end up getting gross. Um, but yeah, that whole sequence felt like a video game. The way they yeah. shot oh, it yeah. and yeah. it was like, oh, you know, we're doing this point of view thing where things are happening around him and he's dodging around corners mm-hmm. and um yeah but it did build much. to a nice moment when the elf of our dreams shows up oh, and saves the day the elf Delightful. Of our dreams. and yes. catches a goddamn arrow out of the air Fires. that was oh, awesome i love that so much that so was much. so Damn, sweet that was awesome. so much so much filmed. yeah that ending bit watches i twirl my hair talking about Aaron Deer, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah that entire last like sequence with Aaron Deer was just like yes yeah mm-hmm. yep yeah keep bringing me more of that please <laughs> <laughs> well i mean um, yeah go ahead and i just wish we could spend more time i, I also this is my least favorite episode so far out of the great many we've seen. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, I just wish we could have spent more time with the group of people, you know, that Bronwyn is with and, and what their actual situation is. Oh, fascinating. Um, Cause I was like, I don't need any more of that anymore. Yeah, so that's interesting that you were wanting more. I was like, no, this is I don't and or in some (laughs) way be marrying up. Like I don't know how far the Harfoots are from this Mm. area. Like, are they on the other side of Middle Earth? I don't know. Um, I really felt the lack of Harfoots in this episode. Me too. I really wanted some more. Um But it's well, just like the me. last episode, I felt the absence of the dwarves. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, y'all keep sacrificing the better storylines for the shitty storyline. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, they're they're probably round robining it, you know, like we're gonna miss yeah. a little bit of something each time. And that I, you know, that makes sense. I don't but, think they're ever gonna skip a Galadriel episode, though. I don't think I I, I would be really no. shocked if we yeah. ever moved completely away from, from Galadriel. Yeah. Mm-hmm for an episode which is which is tough because i think they're trying to move so quickly with her story that it's starting to feel like the last couple of seasons of game of thrones for me because not because they're like overtly telling the story badly in in the same kind of ways that game of thrones did but just in that they're leapfrogging through motivation and decisions and there's this whiplash effect for me um, about like where we start in Numenor and where we end by the end of an episode. It was just like, holy Thank crap. you. I mean, like when we get to Ooh. talking about Numenor, I, yes, I agree so 100%. It was I like- I apologize, Lisa. I, I brought up the the city that- No, no, no. Named. When we, it's like, we'll get there in a minute. And that's when I will expand on your point, which was also my point, <laughs> but like, let's, let's, uh, we can keep talking about, yeah. uh, I think, I think what orcs. I'm saying, I about- do like your idea of like, I would actually love an orc storyline. Yeah. I would, I, I would, would actually like that kind of nice to have like, other than 
Adar, which I guess that's who we're getting as a representative of that world at the Mm -hmm. moment, which isn't the worst thing. Like, I think he's nicely, um, what we've seen of him the little bit so far, like he's got some gravitas to him. Like I, I'm intrigued. Um, with the folks stuck at the, the gate, um, I'm assuming, Justin, do you think that area that they're, that where they're at is basically where the black gate no, I do not. Is? Oh, I <laughs> or are they on the Minas Tirith side? Are they like more I, Well, the fortress, the, 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 the watchtower is called Osterith. Uh, yeah, that one doesn't help me. No, well, Minas Tirith, Osterith. Oh, okay. So they're like Minas Morgul. I, I, think, I think it's... Okay. So Minas Morgul and Minas Tirith <laughs> are like... They're, they're yeah. like satellites of Osterith. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Osgiliath is the main city, and then these others were supposed to be like military outposts, guard towers, you know, that got built up after Osgiliath fell, you know, and mm-hmm. Minas and uh, Minas Morgul was originally Minas. I can't remember. I can't, I can't remember, remember either. Ooh, um, we could we could get a young Shelob. But there's a lot of um, there's a lot. Uh, I enjoy the Southlands storyline because they're doing the most original, interesting, like making things up based on, yeah. the, you know, like freaking, first of all, we have Aaron Deere and Bronwyn, you know, which is this, you know, this star-crossed romance that no one's ever heard of, which I love. Freaking Theo and the blood sword. You know yeah. what I mean? The sword that's, that, that drinks your cool. blood. To, yeah. That's cool as shit. Do you that know shit what I mean? That shit is cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the coolest evil weapon to ever appear in a lord of the rings thing as far as i'm concerned <laughs> mm-hmm. you know um and I then i just wish i just wish we were getting more of an investment in more characters in that group of people because i sense that shit's getting ready to go down right and i just want to care more about people who die we're gonna have oh, a lot I of see. unnamed Fair. red shirts you know <laughs> biting it or whatever um, getting the short end of the orc stick, as it were, <laughs> and, and yeah. I just want to care more. I just I'm not sure well, outside I, of those I, three people. I feel like there's not much there worth caring about. <laughs> like I, if, I if they're think... all sort of if they're all sort of reflective of that old guy, uh, what's his name? Who's Waldreg. like Waldreg? Yeah. Uh, who's like uh, you know your old uncle who's got like we talked about in an earlier episode the SS Nazi or the Confederate flag yeah. hidden in his basement like just <laughs> like you know stay away from me old uncle who has that oh, bullshit and you also you know? have to remember like from a from a lore standpoint the men of the South go bad they are the they are the the men that rally to Sauron's banner you <laughs> they, know they so, linger long past their use by date <laughs> I think I think this is less going to be. <laughs> A bunch of red shirts dying, and more going to be a community turning on oh, the few yeah. good ones. Yeah, that's juicy. Yeah. Well, I aim to please. So I mean, yeah, I, that moment with uh, the uh-huh. old man—I I can't. You just Wall told drag. me Waldrag was more terrifying to me than anything Adar had to do in this episode. That's another like, new thing: Adar, yeah. an elf working for yeah. the orcs and Sauron. Like I. That I'm really curious as to what's going on there because that's not a part of any lore that I'm aware of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, there are no red... like dark elves in Lord of the Rings. No. Well, the orcs are the orcs are essentially sort of the orcs are yeah. Out, they're they're like a, a evolutionary step down the line from tortured and yeah and. Uh, Sauron and Morgoth created the orcs by genetically spoiling spoiling elves, elves <laughs> yeah. capturing and ruining elves. Yeah, but really? not but oh, not an actual elf like that has, is clearly you know he was born an elf and was an elf in his lifetime kind of you know um i've read a few things about people you know theorizing where they're trying to slot this character in and one of the interesting things was that he might be one of feanor's brothers mm. who fell supposedly in the the battle which would make this guy galadriel's uncle ish cousin i mean they're, they're not supposed Something? to be a whole lot of elves and yeah a, a bunch of them are related so <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're all related <laughs> um, but it's yeah so he's at least he's intriguing to me i just hope they give him some I mean, we've only had one conversation with him so far, so it's not really, it's it's mm -hmm. a little early to judge him. Uh, it, but it's interesting because he's like, he's like, you know, he said it would take a God to do that. And I'm not a God yet, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, hello. What's, you know, so I'm, I'm just, I'm curious. I'm curious. The, the, the Southlands Arendir storyline is the most intriguing to me by far mm -hmm. because it's present, it's the, it's the storyline that I don't know how it's going to play out. I know what happens to Numenor. I know what happens to Galadriel. I know what happens to Elrond. <clears throat> I know what happens to Khazad Doom. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know like all that stuff, but I don't know what happens in the Southlands. I don't know what happens to Halbrand. I don't know, you know, any of that stuff that's going on. This and I like that. That's so. That's by far the most intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Well. Let's go from intriguing to not. <laughs> <laughs> it's time, I suppose, to talk about Numenor. Um, like you were saying, Claire, I was like, this made, like, on top of just like, I don't care anything about what's going on here. It didn't even make any sense. Like, so... Galadriel's in hostile territory, right? Nobody wants elves around. Make a whole big stink about this elf being here. And then, so Queen is like, you got a GTFO. And she's like, you have to give me an army. Like super aggro. And then she's like talking to Halbrand and he's like, oh, I've got an idea. You should use someone's fear against them. And so then she like goes and like <laughs> escapes to the tower where dad is. And then somehow like in one like terrible conversation that she has with this queen, somehow like by the end the queen is like oh the the leaves are falling off the tree so after i have sent this elf off finally sent her away with the support of my entire kingdom let me bring her back and commit an army to her 
And everyone in the kingdom is like, yep, sign me up. Let's go to war for this elf. (laughs) What the actual fuck? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, to be fair, you are so, this is a fantasy setting and they are like, there was an omen. You know, they were like, we're letting yes. you go. And then there's an omen that that they all believe. In. I mean, they believe in this omen. If if the leaves fall, that means we're doing the wrong thing. You know what I mean? That means we have upset the gods. I get, yeah. And I get that there's that omen and that that means a lot. And everybody's suddenly freaked out and willing to, to, to flip. Uh, part of the struggle I was having with Numenor and Galadriel um, was articulated by my son every five minutes while we were watching this episode <laughs> and the episode before it. Um, and he was not wrong. And he just kept saying every time anybody complained about Galadriel, like being on Numenor and, and how horrible this was, he's like, why are you keeping her there then? Give exactly. her a boat. <laughs> exactly. You've got plenty of boats. Give her a little boat. And had this off. entire time to just send yeah. her away. And here's what I'll say about the omen. <laughs> so we're coming into Numenor after like, I don't know, a thousand billion years or whatever. <laughs> and all these people have like <laughs> left behind the ways of the elves because they're like, we don't need those fuckers. We're talking generations here yeah. of like, it's not a just, split. it's not just, so it's the- like, so this omen the, of the tree and the elves, it's not present in their lives. And so it's just kind yeah. of like, I think that's why I'm not buying it either is because it's like, it's not, I, I know it's a fantasy, but it's like fantasy stories work when they're based in you know, real behavior. You have to make people buy into the, the mm-hmm. stuff. You yeah. have to buy into the Right, argument. and it's not yeah. real behavior to be thousands of years away from your magical tree. And then when the leaves fall, suddenly be like, oh, it's all back. Right. Like, and I think these are people her- who were born without this respect for the trees, you know? Yeah. So why do they suddenly like drop everything that they believe in because the tree lost leaves? Well, I think, I think part of it, I'm just not um, and Justin's going to be much more informative, I'm sure. <laughs> I think part of it is that they're not establishing the full motivation of the Numenorians, which isn't just, hey, we don't want to have anything to do with elves anymore. A lot of that is rooted in, we want to be more like the elves. We feel like we got gypped because we've kind of been given this, this version of immortality, right? Like they live for hundreds of years at this point about in their time, society. About three times the length of an average human. Yeah. Right, but they're not immortal. And I, I think part of that, what would have been better presented, I think, is this, if they had just made it more overt that there is this, this petulant sense of, you gave us this thing, but the thing you gave us wasn't that great. Like you could have given us something way better. You know what I mean? Like this really yeah. uh, kind of yeah. feeling to it, but maybe Justin will tell me I'm wrong. That's no, no, no. I, I, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I think that they're sort of showing how, I mean, I feel like the Numenorians, they're not a good people. Like that's the point right now. They're not a good people. They're kind of, 
petty and fickle and easily swayed by bullshit. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like well, that's what Galadriel's giving them. What bullshit? Sorry, did I say bullshit? that out loud? <laughs> Here's what I like, <laughs> and pretty much all I like about the new menor slash Galadriel storyline right now. I really love the design. I really love the way <laughs> Numenor looks. I really Which is felt sad because it's gonna get destroyed. <laughs> Let me tell you that opening shot when the flood comes. <gasps> like I, I was like, I felt that. Like yeah. because the cool thing is you I see waves no crashing with and the you production see a bigger wave value of this show. Yeah. Say what? I find no fault with the production value of this. Yeah. show. I, I I love the way all of that looks. Um. I have to confess, I don't love the Numenor storyline. It's, it is A, predictable, and B, I, it really feels rushed, especially compared to the other yeah. storylines. It, mm. it feels like it's leapfrogging over all of the, the emotional moments that should make it work. Yes. And and I was like you, Lisa, I was completely lost at the end, like Galadriel goes and I get you're supposed to understand that like she's sailing away and then leaves start to fall. And so somehow they get her back. Well, she's just on the boat going to the boat. I don't think she's sailing away yet. She's just she's just on that sort of interim boat when she. But the fact that we aren't given an emotional moment really to explain the her panic yeah. the panic her failure the everything there should have been this like joint emotional um thing happening for her and the queen that would that would resolve the idea that she's just suddenly back in the throne room and they're making this decision we we needed two more scenes yeah i think that that. you're you're hitting what what's not working for me is like what works with the with the storyline with the dwarves that I think I like so much is that it is about relationships and it's about character. And they're really focusing on building these relationships and building these characters. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Galadriel storyline and the Numenor storyline is sacrificing relationship and character for just like rushing through the story yeah. and it's not working. Give when... me a better story around the, the queen and Galadriel and both being women of power and conflicting with each other so much better than what they're doing and then show how they come together and make it hot and steamy at the same time. And these are a little bit. And these are the problem also is that these are big characters in the Lord of the Rings canon. Galadriel is a big character. Elendil is a huge character. Isildur is an important character, you know, and they have not brought me in on any of them yet really do you know what i mean uh, i mean galadriel more than the others because she's had four full episodes you know what i mean mm-hmm. but even galadriel the the stuff with galadriel and her quest and why she's doing what she it hasn't been given nuance like mm-hmm. i didn't expect nuance in the first episode i do expect it now yeah do you know mm-hmm. what i mean i expect there to i expect to get a deeper understanding of why she's so angry and why she's so determined. And, you know, like, like, let me spend some time with Galadriel talking to someone, you know what I mean? Like really talking to someone. Um, And 
maybe like actually seeing the target of her anger from time to time might be good. Do you know what I mean? Like, it feels like in this storyline, they're breaking the cardinal rule of storytelling because they're telling us a whole bunch of shit, but they're not showing as much. Yeah. You know? Um, with the exception of the, of the vision of the Palantir, which is also the coolest part of the whole thing. <laughs> I, uh, I think my issue with the Numenor stuff is that we're getting sidetracked away from these stories to focus on the kids which I don't know where the kids' storylines are going to go yet. And I, I you don't say kids, you're talking about Isildur and a yeah, yeah, and yeah, Aaron. yeah. And yeah, I, okay. I don't, yeah. you know, she's has a meets a new kind of suitor in this episode. And there's all these other things kind of going on that don't really yet feed in that don't feed into like the where we're supposed to end up at the end of this episode. They might feed into something later on for sure, but it, it takes away time from, uh, you know, building kind of the more uh, immediate storyline that, that that we're kind of following and that we should be a little more involved in. I, I mean, that being said, I don't feel like the, you know, we, we've got these, uh, you know, the people of Numenor who are like, they're going to take our jobs, right? You know, they're, they're sort of stupid <laughs> like that. Uh, and, you know, you, we've got that speech. They're not going to take your jobs. We're fine. You know, kind of thing. And uh, that that's, that's the kind of- uh, Your jobs. Take our jobs. Um, yeah, the the whole South Park thing, of course. But um, yeah, the uh, you know they're they're kind of stupid and they're simple and they're you know they're they're very um, oh, what's the word uh, uh, like what most Americans are. Um, they're they're not critical thinkers. They're, they're not, not they're not, not critical they're, thinkers. It's not but that they, they're stupid. It's that they're lazy. Not, they're not. They're lazy. They think a lot of themselves more they're than in, yes, they're, uh, more than what they unearned superior yes, sense yes, of superiority. That's, that's kind of what unexamined I'm thinking, lives. Yes, and yes, exactly. And so <laughs> it's um, that makes them very very simple in the ways of you know we're talking about omens and things like that. You know they they. A lot of times people like that don't understand where the omens come from, just that the omens exist. It, they don't have to be connected to anything necessarily from the past or anything like that. It's like, oh my God, that omen that we know of, but where did it come from? Who knows at this point? You know what I mean? They still somehow believe in it. So I, I can buy, I can logically buy that, even though emotionally necessarily it didn't quite take me to where I felt I needed to be. Um, though I felt like the emotionality of the Dwarven storyline and what was happening there sort of in the episode fed into that a little bit. Um, uh, uh, I had another point here that I was going and I sort of can sidetracked I, myself. Can I say something yeah. to give you a chance to think about it? Yeah, yeah. And this is going to be almost like jumping almost way off far afield. Okay. But I think this is emblematic of one of the problems facing a lot of genre stuff right now. Um, I feel this way sometimes watching She-Hulk, but at least She-Hulk is super charming. To you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and that's that they're so focused on exploiting the IP that they're not focused on telling a great story. You know, my big my big beef with She-Hulk all along has been I don't know what She-Hulk is really what she wants. She's not driving the story. She's not a character with an arc. I don't feel that really. You know what I mean? I just feel like she's she's just reacting. She's not acting, you know? Um and here they're just throwing characters at us, you know, and they're like, oh, we better make we better get some romance in here. Let's introduce Alindel's daughter and the son of Farazan. And like 
and but they're not doing any of the work to make us care about that shit you know what i mean you like, know what i'm more worried about justin with that character is that they're setting that daughter up to basically kill her in a way that will uh spur ellen deal to Ugh. the action that he will be taking and i'll oh be god i hope not that really would that would be awful. that would if be so i hope you're wrong because it's well just because it's unnecessary at this point they're already yeah. going to the southlands mm-hmm. they're already yeah. going yeah. so that she he doesn't need like i mean if they created her just to fridge her you know mm-hmm. like yeah that's some bullshit you know what i'm saying we can we can thumb Ooh. that down but with that i don't think that i think they're smarter than that i hope they're smarter than that um uh, well yeah, god the, willing they're smarter. i hope so i yeah. just the, the problem is it, it's hard to feel that way when at least in the galadriel you know numenor storyline it doesn't feel like they're doing the work it just feels like they're pushing forward. I do buy into that. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. Are you invested in any of those characters, Philip? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm invested in some. Not, not necessarily. I'm not invested in the the daughter. A little more invested in the son. Uh, a little bit. Um, eh, like the like those three characters. <laughs> the father. I'm Let me not ask you this: mm-hmm. Have you ever been like, I wonder what's going on with the Sildor right now when uh, you were watching something <laughs> else? No, I frequently, not really. especially I, when I, I'm right before I go to sleep at night, Justin, thinking about, I wonder what Ellen Deal is doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know who the most compelling character in this conversation has been? She Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think. Uh, oh, the other the other thing I was I was gonna say, and this uh, is that I can also like be, with the king having been, you know, one generation up from you know the regent uh having been committed to the dwarf the elven sort of way and, and to the elves and everything like that uh i can see how the queen or the regent sorry I, uh, she's regent um she's queen, queen regent yeah yeah uh i just like galadriel's little like snipey little line that she threw at her was um, regent yes regent um i can see in that uh just thematically speaking nicely laid out with the rest of the episode and how you know fear of the you know what the past means and like i was saying this a little bit earlier and and the decisions we make going forward uh can really hamper us from making maybe the right decision or the the better decision um uh or the more maybe appropriate decision i don't know what the word is exactly but it's uh because she is afraid and i think galadriel coming into that throne room and kind of seeing what's actually going on and that conversation and just her just even being there and and sort of being this constant like throwing herself at this like locked door in a way uh it's sparking that thing in the back of the queen regent's head and and i I don't think that's not worth talking about in in the storyline because it you know, we're, we're dealing with two characters that are definitely closed off from that, that are, that have shut themselves down, like from like dealing with these things and being honest and open about these things. And when you were going into Numenor that, and this is something that you run into a lot with stories like this, where there is a secret being kept, it's hard to keep that balance. And I don't see it done very often between keeping the secret, but also allowing your audience to be involved in the emotional sort of ramp up of of what's going on 
like if if that secret was revealed earlier and the audience was there and we saw that sort of dynamic play out as they kept it from each other that'd feel different for the audience to kind of be involved but because we're on Gladriel's side and we're following it from her point of view we're not emotionally involved in that sort of secret that then right. is revealed and so that's that's tough then to get the audience sort of when that secret's revealed then and all this stuff happens really quickly well it, it, you know it, it it's been there we just don't know about it and so it's hard to be emotionally involved and it's hard to build with so that and you know we're we all need? in agreement that Numenor is lame <laughs> it's it's and with it's that i'm gonna little. take us to yeah. break because we are we're clocking going on. yeah <laughs> so stay tuned and we'll be back with hot takes on lukewarm <laughs> with lukewarm takes. <laughs> if you're enjoying this conversation, you're in luck because we're currently talking about Netflix's The Sandman and this fall we'll begin our long-awaited deep dive into David Lynch and Mark Frost's Twin Peaks with our throwback podcast series, That Gum You Like. You should always keep your eyes out for more pop-ups. So for all those updates and all things Popsicle, follow us at Popsicle Pod on all social medias and join our mailing list at our website, popsiclepod.com, for all the latest news and announcements. That's Popsicle Pod, P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Welcome back. Time for hot takes. <laughs> um, I really think I only have one, which isn't even directly related to this episode. But so for those who don't know, I am a professional artist <laughs> and I use the Adobe Creative Suite to make all of my work. And recently, like they always change, like when you launch it, there's this image that comes up for each program. And recently, like it usually just changes every year when they come out with the newest version, but like a month ago they changed it and it's not a new version. It's just like they have these new images. And I didn't realize until I was opening Photoshop this week that Galadriel, mm -hmm. They like do, they have this like Photoshop art of Galadriel. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then I opened up Illustrator and it was Durin and Disa made in Illustrator. And I was like, wow, way to go, Amazon marketing team. <laughs> Partnering up with Adobe to get us artistic nerds to watch this show. I don't know what the point of that was, but it was just something I noticed this week and I was like, huh. Um, and that is my hot take for the week. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I, I guess I have a, a minor corollary to that hot take, which is this past week was my wife's birthday. And oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday babe. Oh, and um, my mom sent some presents from Amazon. <laughs> and the presents came in rings of power boxes. Oh, yeah. They're, they're bo Amazon boxes are full Tolkien. And my, 
my wife was like, what did your mother get me? You know? <laughs> and I was like, man, I think it's just Amazon. I don't think, I don't think you got anything yeah. more of the rings. Yeah. yeah. Amazon is <laughs> like, they're they, leaving no stone unturned in yeah. the marketing of this show. They, they spent yeah. half a billion dollars. They're going to get you everywhere they can. they spent can. almost half a billion dollars just on the marketing. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, I want to say, here's my hot, my actual hot take though. And this is something that I really do really enjoy about this show. And this comes back to my and Lisa's favorite character, Aaron Deere. Because he, of all the main characters, he's probably gotten the least dialogue, but he's probably gotten the most to do acting wise. He gets lots of action. You And, and the, the actor, Ismail Cruz Cordova, I think is his name. Um, yeah. He, you are constantly seeing hurt and longing and anger in his eyes. Like he is getting to do the work. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just because he's not delivering soliloquies. Like I'm, you know, I'm digging what I'm seeing from him. I like the opportunity he's gotten because he's really making the most of it, you know? He's yeah. laconic. Yeah, he is, laconic. he is laconic. Yeah. And I took my SATs too. And, <laughs> and, and, but he is freaking... I, I mean, he's doing a great job and I love it, you know? He is, um, yeah. And now I'm going to have to use Laconic in something I write. Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. Any other hot takes? Uh, Claire, do you have one? Go, Philip. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I like that they keep uh, Gladriel looking kind of uh, unkempt. You know, a lot of lot of shows and series like this, you can come like climb a, a, a the wall of a tower, break through a window and they walk in looking all beautiful still and just like perfectly coiffed hair and everything. She's got like her hair is a little like kind of must and ratty and, you know, they look, she looks like she's, uh, you know, working. She doesn't, she doesn't have the 24 seven Lothlorian beauty. Yeah, squad. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Keep her yeah. Together. So. That makes perfectly good sense. And I have noted and like that as well. I do appreciate Here's that. my hot take. And I'm just going to, leave this with everybody because this is what I've been thinking about over the last couple of episodes and trying to make like comparisons because I really feel what this show needs is uh, James S.A. Corey mm. on the writing team. And, mm. you know, we should have Galadriel basically doing the the noir detective thing that I'm suddenly obsessed with this one thing I need to go figure out and just really hone in on that story and drop a lot of the other hoo-ha going on. Um, you've got your weird things are happening in the Southlands slash protomolecule discovery, right? You've got, you've got this little tiny group of people who are so insignificant to all of the things that are going on around them. I, I mean, you just have all of it in, and that's what they're trying to do with the show is create this complex social construct um, in a way that all of this stuff um, affects everything else that's going on. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing I'm missing right now is this sense of is what Galadriel is doing going to make any, like any, is it going to impede on what the dwarves are, like how are these things affecting each other or what do they mean to each other? Um, I know yeah. we're early 
<clears throat> I know we're early in the storytelling, but I feel like watching we're at the, the midpoint expansion. of the season. Yeah. This is midpoint. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> and I'm dying. Uh. Um, but I feel like at this point in the expanse, you felt this massive weight of sus suspense that was built off of knowing that what these people are doing over here is getting ready to fuck up the lives of these people over here that we care about, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you're right. It's totally true. It's the, the interconnectedness and the dependency on each other, you know, where it's like, that's, it's a really good point. The expanse correlation, because it's like it's it's taking an expansive world but it's like it makes sense like it's a it it connects everything like the politics of this place affect the people over here and you see that like you see the direct consequence mm -hmm. of it all and it's relatable to our own experience and it's it's recognizable and yeah, I'm not seeing the consequence anywhere yet. And so, yeah, that it makes me not, if you're not showing me any consequence, then what am I doing here? You know, like it's just all of these random kind of disparate stories right now. It feels like these stories do need to come together. They do. I, I agree mm -hmm. with that. They do. And come um, save us, James S. A. Corey, come save us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hopefully this show is like The Expanse in that a lot of people at the midpoint of the first season of The Expanse were like, what the fuck am I watching? You know? It's true. That is true. <laughs> and, you know, it, and it evolved into one of the great shows of all time. So yeah. hopefully this will all start to come together and, you know, they'll stop laying road and start driving on it. And, yeah. you know. I, yep. And then we would see Shere Dashlu show up as like you know the queen elf of uh -huh. whatever. Oh, let her that would be, be bad. That would be yeah. badass. Let that would be, be awesome. Let her be Let's anything in the show. Anything. Let her be anything. Yeah. yeah. Let her just do whatever she wants. Okay. Yeah. I'm ready for her to join the MCU. I'm ready for her to join Star <laughs> yeah. Wars. I'm yes, ready for please. her yeah. to be in everything. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the only other hot take I have, or at least questionable thing that I see happening, is I don't understand how time works between the different stories because in mm -hmm. one they've started the tower and it looks like they've got a pretty jump pretty good jump i know that and i know the dwarves are fast builders but when they looked out that window it's like this looks like weeks have gone by at least yeah, weeks yeah. and then you but really it's only like two days maybe it's over here but then over there it's like well, uh, and i'm a little confused on how timeline is working and if they're just yeah. leaving it kind of vague so they don't have to yeah. deal with it uh how, how long was galadriel at sea i think is the big question that's yeah, the big say, question elves don't get yeah. very pruny she was probably in the water for like a long time yeah so. she could have been for sure well, she's, and, and certainly she probably sailed for mm -hmm. a long time before yeah I mean, she was probably by the time she jumped off the boat it was already the third episode in the other episode in the other storylines you know what i'm saying <laughs> like, yeah so uh, yeah. yeah that's but then like even more to your point it's like it's i don't know it's where all, the stories are lining up yet. It's all over the yeah. place yeah. yeah it's inconsistent yeah. yeah a little bit there confusing but um and speaking of inconsistent <laughs> and <laughs> words to describe this episode <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to our words for this episode. Uh, so, uh, Philip, that episode was um, slow burn. <laughs> All right. 
Well, was, Claire? You are definitely looking at the silver lining of these clouds. I like that. I am yeah. trying. Well, yeah, well it, 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 the episode did build to something that I was very emotional. Like, it took a little while to get there, but mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. that Doran stuff was great. Emotional. Yeah. Philip is our ground, our anchor in. <laughs> just a little forgiving. Just a little forgiving right now because yes. I'm waiting <laughs> patiently to see where this goes. <clears throat> All right, Claire, what's your wade? Philip said slow burn. And at the exact same moment, I was thinking, oh, my word's going to be fast tracked. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hilarious. Uh, Justin. Well, it's interesting because I was going to say this episode is a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll just say that episode was. <laughs> um. <laughs> You hit such a high pitch with that that I don't think we even heard it. And that's amazing. I heard it. I, it's kind of like a sound. I loved it. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for talking about this episode. Oh, sorry, the recommendation. That's right. Phil, how Aww. could I forget? It's hey. time for you to give a recommendation. So if the people liked or even didn't like yeah. The Great Wave... What would you have to recommend to them? Well, there are two things I, I would recommend. If you're really loving the sort of Harfoot element of this and, and the when they were walking around with those weird like outfits on in the last episode at the beginning and it was kind of like a little, a little abstract and kind of wonderful. Um, it was and it, Harfoot Renfair. Yeah, I essentially, think. yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, if you like kind of a, okay, these are both kind of fantasies for adults. Uh, the first one is Beasts of the Southern Wild. That's the Harfooter kind of reminding me of Beasts of the Southern Wild. It's very good. There's a fantastical element to it um, or a, fa- a fable-like element to it. And, and it's really wonderful. And it's emotionally just beautiful to watch. Uh, that's a great movie. And the other one I have is from the same director that did the first two episodes, uh, John A. Bayona. He directed a film a couple of years ago called A Monster Calls. Um, about a, a young boy who's losing his mother to cancer and it's played by Felicity Jones and he befriends like this tree god uh, that's voiced by mm. Liam Neeson and it's oh, again I it's remember this it's, yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's visually just amazing it's absolutely beautiful um, it's so beautifully directed you can see why he got picked for you know to direct the first two episodes of, of this series um, it, it's a wonderful show a wonderful movie and the the breastplate that uh, uh, Deer um wears with that sort of tree figure on it, I feel like is the like tree god from a monster calls. I feel like it's a callback to that somehow. Uh, and every mm-hmm. time I see it, that's the first thing I think of. Other people I've heard say like the Green Knight, which you know if, if you know kind of makes sense if you know you're looking into like Arthurian legend or whatever. But I feel like with this director having directed something with like a tree god to have like that tree god's image on the breastplate is is pretty cool little callback but um yeah i would recommend a monster calls and beasts of the southern wild quite highly they're they're great little adult fantasy fables that are uh speak to humanity and and human fragility and human strength and it's they're they're wonderful really great stuff technically the beasts of the southern wilds in this in middle earth are the oliphants so true that's very true thank you claire ended on a nerdy note all right (laughs) and with that thanks for those recommendations phil by the way 
Um, but with that, now comes the sign off. Um, so uh, until the next episode, I'm not saying that word. Bye. <laughs> This has been a Popsicle Podcast production. <laughs>